Hey guys, welcome to RUF. Um, so we're doing a, my name is Sammy, by the way. I'm the campus minister here. Hi, Sammy. Hey, guys. Um, so, or hey, guy. We are doing a series on relationships. We're calling it Relationships Reimagined. Last week, we just sort of did a bird's eye view, thinking about does the Bible have anything to say specifically? Does Jesus have anything to say specifically about our relationships in general? And tonight what we're doing is I want to actually focus on our parents, which might seem kind of weird. We're actually, I forgot to have Daniel say this. Afterwards, we are, uh, stick around, we're doing, I can only think to call it Dad Hooked Up My Lunchbox After Party, by which sometimes as a dad it's my joy, like my wife is real into healthy food, so sometimes I like to sneak them some delicious sugary thing. And so I just got, I was at Costco, which is a beautiful place, and got some fruit by the foot and some, like, weird kind of Rice Krispies with chocolate and stuff. So I'd love for you to hang out and let me be your dad. That sounds weird. I'd love for you to hang out, just hang out, and eat some delicious snacks with us. Um, But tonight we're talking about parents. And to do that, I want to read a couple of verses that are in your handout um, that I think, what does the Lord have to say to us tonight about parents? Um, Selected readings, you can look at them with me. First, in Matthew 10... Starting verse 34, here's what Jesus says. This is one of the hardest things that Jesus comes to say. He says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves, here's what Jesus says, it's hard. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then Paul in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then finally in Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Let me pray for us, and then I want to kind of dive into what I want to talk about tonight. Let me pray first. Jesus, would you meet us in this place? Would you pour out your spirit? Would you send your spirit to to help us cry that tonight? Abba, Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, that your redeeming work, such a huge part of it, is not just the forgiveness of our sins, but it's bringing us into the family of God that that we might call your Father. You're the only one who deserves to call God your Father because you were so obedient and loved him with all your heart. And yet, Lord, you died that we might call your father our father. And I pray tonight, a lot of us come in all kinds of ways. Some of us love our parents. We actually worship them, and it's a problem, and we don't know it. We don't see it yet. Some of us hate our parents. We're trying to process them. We, We are so glad we're here to be away from them. And, Lord, we need your grace to know how to relate and forgive and trust them again. Lord, we come in all kinds of ways with all kinds of parents tonight. Would you be the one who comes and not just shows us the hope of the gospel to make right our relationships with parents, but also would you show us your Abba Father heart toward your children, toward us. We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. 
So I want to start tonight with some words that have become some of my favorite words from America, one of America's most uh, foremost poet. Uh, this work of art is some of the, the most brilliant writing that I've seen in the last two, three years. His name is Justin Bieber, and the song is called Love Yourself. And here's what he says. He says, my mama don't like you. And she likes everyone. And I never like to admit that I was wrong. And I've been so caught up in my job, didn't see what's going on. But now I'm, I know I'm better sleeping on my own. But for real, that album is just straight fire because... <laughs> I've said that like three times in a row. Because it's like rarely in an artist's career... Let me just give you this little tidbit and we'll keep moving. Rarely in an artist's career do you get... Every artist has a breakup album and most good artists, Bob Dylan per se, have a religious experience album. And Bieber's purpose is both, is both you guys. It is a breakup album and an experiencing Jesus album and let's just give it a shot. I mean, I've already given it a shot. But give it, if you've not given it a shot in your heart, you should. But why I was thinking about those words, to, if you could just play with me for a second. Why I love those words is you can tell two things, apparently, if we can take them at his words. Justin Bieber apparently really cares what his mom thinks, number one. And number two, apparently he doesn't listen to his mom. And there's just sort of weird tension when it comes to thinking about parents. I don't know how you come tonight. I know that some of you come and you more than honor your parents, you actually worship your parents. And their opinion of you means way, way, way too much. It means it's, every, it's not just something to you, it's everything to you. Others of you are maybe more like me, where you, you kind of take your parents for granted. It's hard for you to see or be thankful for them, to see the good things about them, to see the things that are good and, and beautiful about them. Still, others of you have, have lost parents. Maybe you've lost them to death. Maybe you've lost them to divorce. Maybe you've lost them to addiction. I, I don't know how it is that you come tonight, uh, the reality is for us, though, is that however we come, whether we worship our parents or whether we have a hard time even being around our parents or whether we just miss our parents, I think God has something to say to us that's really, really profound. And wherever we come, he calls us to honor them. We know that's really clear. We heard it in Ephesians 6. If you've grown up in the church, you've heard it maybe your whole life. Honor your parents. Honor your father and your mother. And to honor them is to love them. But the question I want to ask is, if we kind of know what we should be, how in the world are we going to get there? How in the world are we going to do it? And I think there are three things. If you're ever going to be in right relationship with your parents, if you're ever going to love them, if you're ever going to honor them, if you're ever going to treat them or understand them or process them, three things have to happen. First, you have to break up with them. Second, you have to make up with them. And then lastly, you have to take up your new identity as a child of God. First, you have to break up with your parents. Second, you have to make up with your parents. And then lastly, you have to take up your adoption, your new identity that's been given to you in the gospel. So first thing with me for a second, you've got to break up with your parents. And that sounds weird. This is going with Jesus in Matthew 10 where he says something really hard. You have to understand that Matthew's gospel is the Jewish gospel, which means he's writing to Jewish families, which means they were like southern families in which they put a ton, ton, ton of stock in their family name. Who your parents were was who you were. Who your family name, what your family name was, in so many ways determined your success in life. I don't know if you grew up in the South or not, but it's a huge thing that we can relate to. That your family name was so so important. That's why Jesus says, "When I came to, when I, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring the sword." Jr., my boss is in town. It's a great dude. Meet him afterwards. We we're at the state house today. We did. I did my first state house tour. 
one of the things I didn't know about the state house is when they do session on the on the Senate side, they bring this huge old sword and they lay it down in the in front of the chambers and it turns the lights on. And the guy was saying, "Why the sword?" He was said because the sword is the foremost symbol of power and authority. And Jesus is saying, "Your parents rightfully have had the most authority of anyone in your life. From when you were a baby, they had physical authority over you." They had financial, still some have financial authority over you. They had knowledge, authority. they knew more than you knew. You were totally under their authority. And some of them used that really well and stewarded it well. And some of them were nightmares with that authority. But Jesus is saying, we, God has given your parents authority. But, all, but, it's, but it's, it's still less than my authority. And what Jesus is saying is, if you belong to me, your family, this is what we hear clearly. If you belong to me, your parents can no longer be your primary identity. Why? Because I'm your new identity. I'm the, I'm the most important thing about you now. Screw your family name. I've come to mess that thing up. I've come to turn that thing on its head. I'm your new identity. Belonging to me is your new identity. Now, for some of you, that's like great news. We're going to get to you in a second. For some of you, this is horrible news. Because your identity is still your family. This is what I was thinking about today. Um, so I grew up from when, from as young an age as I could be. My parents, my grandmother especially, instilled in me from as soon as I could talk or understand the English language. This is what they would say. They would take me to this our family house in Maysville, South Carolina. This beautiful old 200-year-old house is actually in the National Historic Registry. And they would sit me down and they would say, Sammy, this is the conversation. You need to understand something really important about yourself. Do you know who you are? You, and they're like, this is a true story. You are the fifth descendant of the General Thomas Sumter, the Gamecock. He is, this is my grandmother Harriet Tisdall. My, her mom was a Sumter. My mom was a Sumter. He was her third great-grandfather. He's my fourth great-grandfather. He is your fifth great-grandfather, and they would give me this, like, we have all these pictures of, like, us with these Thomas Sumter reenactors. We would, like, go to all these things. There's this picture when the state dedicated a sign on a highway in South Carolina. Like, me and my family were there by the sign, like, winning the paper. I would go to school, and literally this was the first thing I felt burdened to tell people. I would, like, grab them in a corner and be like, hey, do you know who I am? <laughs> I am. I don't know if you know this. I am the fifth great-grandson of General Thomas Sumter. And they'd be like, who? It didn't matter. But for a long time, I didn't know what to do. I, like, that was my identity until I'm in seminary. I'm doing the historic thing. I read his biography, and I learn about him that every Sunday, there was this little Baptist church in Stateburg, South Carolina, and he would have the congregation sit, and he would be ushered into his front row. And I almost threw up on the page <laughs> because that dude didn't love Jesus. That, I mean, okay, I don't, I'm not Jesus. That dude might not be, like, part of the family of God with Jesus now. And it was an epiphany for me. Where I was like, why have I made this my identity? Jesus is far more important about me. The people I will be with eternally are far more important than General Thomas Sumter and his lineage. What I'm trying to say to you is Jesus comes and he says, I've come to turn you against father and mother. And part of how you know Jesus is becoming more in your identity, there might be things that are upsetting your parents as you follow him and as he changes you. That's one that actually can be a good sign to you. 
never an excuse to dishonor them. But sometimes it can be a, a, a good thing that your identity is being shifted to something far, far more important. So you've got to break up with your parents. You've got to get out of the, you know how this works. You're, you've ever dated someone, you know how you do this infatuation stage where you can't see them, you can't see the other person for who they really are. And you're, you're purposely blind to the bad parts about them because they're so, you, you want to be the most in love couple of all time. It, but you know if you've ever been there, you cannot possibly love someone when you're in that stage. And part of me is trying to say, get out of the infatuation stage with your parents. They're not perfect. If they were, they wouldn't need Jesus. They have sinned against you. In fact, no one has sinned against you more than your parents. You've got to break up with this disillusioned idea of who they are if you're ever going to begin to love them. But second, break up with your parents. But second, you've got to make up with your parents. Because some of you, if we're being honest, you're like, you're there. You kind of hate your parents. And you don't know what to do with them. And so you're like tracking. You've already broken up with them. But now second, let's look for a little bit. At, you've got to make up with your parents. In other words, you've got to learn what it means to forgive them. You've got to learn what it means to pursue them. You've got to learn what it means to still let them into your life. You've got to learn what it means to be this separate person who's broken up with them, but who's still in a posture of grace and wanting to know and love them within the boundaries that are appropriate. This is where Paul, we're going to the Paul passage in Ephesians 6 when he's teaching on parents and children. And I want to focus on the parents part, what he says to parents, because he says to them they're supposed to do something, namely to teach their kids what it means. This is how we can summarize it. To teach their kids what it means to be under God's rule. To teach, God, to teach your kids, to teach their kids what it means to be in right relationship with God. This is the way my favorite, one of my favorite writers, Dan Allender, puts it. He says it like this. He says, every single one of us is born asking two fundamental questions. And here are the two questions. Am I loved and can I get my own way? And every single parent always, without question, answers those two questions. Am I loved? Can I get my own way? And here's what he says. Here are the four different ways to answer them. Think with me for a little bit. Here's the first one. He calls it the dangerous and demeaning response. This response says, a parent that says, yes, you can get your own way. But no, you're not loved. These are parents who are either, uh, you are a threat to their comfort, you are an obstacle to whatever they wanted, or these were the parents who just didn't even notice or barely noticed when you were gone. They had their own thing going. These were the parents that barely noticed when you left and were barely involved in your life at all. And if this was the kind of parents you had, this means that you have felt worthless in yourself And typically you find some way to find worth outside of yourself. It could be sports. It can be being the funny person. It can be like giving your body away. It can be all kinds of things. But you find value outwardly because your parents let you do whatever you want, but you never felt love and inherent worth. Two is what he calls the indulgent and distant response. This is simply saying, yes, you can get your own way. And yes, you are loved. This is parents typically who are well-to-do, maybe highly educated, but they care far more about public appearances. They care far more about what others in the community think of them than they do about your heart. So that they they can't say no to you. These are parents who have never loved you enough to tell you no. This is my favorite uh, character that comes to mind is Amy Poehler in Mean Girls. Remember she comes into the room and she's got like the crop top in like the piercings and she's just trying to hang out with the girls. She's like, what's up girls? Like 
that's those kind of parents. They, they wanted to be your friend more than they wanted to be your parent. But you've long, But here's the trick with that. You never actually felt loved. Because you know in your heart that part of love is someone who loves you enough to say no. Someone who loves you enough to put the limits of reality in your life. Someone who loves you enough to disappoint you. And the third response, and this is, this is what I find, to be honest with you guys, maybe in our circles the most, in, in PCA-type circles or reform-type circles, is what Allender calls the rule-bound and dull response. These are the parents that said, no, you cannot get your own way. And no, you are not my delight and joy. Often, these, are homes, these are homes where they're very, very conservative. You can imagine certain news, works, news channels playing in the background 24 hours. I'll leave that to your imagination. These are the parents who place stringent rules like around you, who had clear expectations, but also had high demands. If you grew up in a home like this, here's what it lacked. It lacked warmth. It lacked humility. Words like, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? It lacked, this is key, it lacked laughter. Your parents couldn't play with you. And it lacked tears. You probably rarely saw your parents cry. Some of these situations can be abusive. Sometimes they're emotionally abusive. Sometimes they're physically abusive. Sometimes they're spiritually abusive. And some of, these are some of the homes that we grew up in. I, I have a friend who grew up in a home like this. And her dad suddenly uh, fell down the stairs going to work one day, went into a coma. And she was in the hospital with him. And she was holding his hand. And she said through tears, she kept thinking, why did you never love me enough to hold my hand when I was scared? Some of us have been in homes that have felt that hard or that cold or that dull. If we have, typically what we do is we perform we obey the rules, we work hard, but we lack passion in what C.S. Lewis would call whimsy. Just the ability to laugh at ourselves and to not take ourselves so seriously. And we lack joy. And the way that we resentfully act out against our parents is through silence and distance. We can't wait to go back to school because we can't wait to be out of that home. And then the fourth response is the response, of course, that should be. It's the response of strength and delight. The response that says, yes, you are loved beyond belief. And no, you cannot get your own way. We know intuitively this is how God loves us. We're going to get to that in a second. But just stay with me for a minute. Because part of how you make up with your parents, I want you to stay with me. Part of how you make up with your parents is to say two things. Number one, you long for this. You long to be loved this way. You hunger. I hunger to be loved this way. This is why when I watch Finding Nemo with my kids, I'm weeping at the end because I see a fish and I think, I wish I had a dad like that that went to the depths of the sea to find me, to, to take me home. This is why I found my wife woke up one morning and she's watching the story. If you watched the story of Derek Redmond, You've probably seen it on Facebook. You just don't know his name. Derek Redmond, he held the British record in the 400. He won gold in the, 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 um, the World Games. He won gold at the European Games. He's set to race the 92 Barcelona Olympics. The gun goes off. He tears his hamstring. Everyone's shooting past him. He's crying. He's limping along. You've seen this probably. Out of the crowds, his dad comes. You seen this? His dad puts his arm around him. Like, go watch this and try not to cry. 
Actually, go watch this, and let me give you some names for counselors, because we believe in counseling a lot in here. We'll talk. So here's the dad, and he, he just, I mean, if you've seen it, he limps. He just walks with his son to the finish line. And like my wife, I wake up, and my wife is like, like the, the bed is wet. She's been crying so hard. Then I watch it, and then I cry. Um, why? Why? Because that was a dad that said, yes, you were loved, even when you placed last. Even when you don't win gold. Even when you're disqualified from the the race. Yes, you're loved. And no, you cannot quit. No, we're going to finish this race. And you want to long for that. But can we just say that sometimes in our longing for that, we put unfair expectations on our parents? Because here's the reality. Your parents can never give you that. Your parents have not ever given you that perfectly. And can we just admit, before we get super pissed at them and say, forget them, can we just say that this is a basic tool to think through all relationships? Can we just say, like, this is not the way you've loved your friends? Like, have you always been there for your friends? Have you never used your friends? Have you never ignored your friends? Can we just say that part of, part of loving your parents has to be seeing their brokenness, but part of, that's part of breaking up with them, part of making up with them has to be seeing your own brokenness. That maybe you're putting unfair expectations on them. And maybe we can just be honest for a second and say, we all need Jesus. Deeply. But then the last thing I want you to see, if you're ever going to be able to love your parents, is we need to see that God, this is, this is how God loves us. This is the last thing I want you to see, is you, you begin to take up your identity as a child of God. Every religion sees God as creator and ruler. But one of the things you have to understand that's unique about Christianity is it says, God is not, he's those things, yes, he's the king. But he's more. He's a father. And in fact, he's a father who loves you and I so much that he was willing to give up his only son that we might be brought into the family. We have a father through Jesus who is not afraid to tell us no because he loves us and wants us to grow. We have a father who we can do nothing to make disown us. We have a father who, even though we are as fickle as like a Facebook maybe, that like let's just be honest, that's our level of faithfulness. His faithfulness is as constant as the sun and the moon and the stars. We have a father through Jesus who the Bible says from in Zephaniah breaks out. He loves you so much that he breaks out in singing over you. Can you imagine your dad right now when you go home breaking out in song over you? That's how God is. We have a, a father who, who the Bible says is like a nursing mother. It's a weird image. And he says, even though a nursing mother who cares for their baby might forget to feed their child, I will never forget you. We have a father who the Bible says is that parent. This is one of the images I love. Is that parent who has a tattoo of his children's name. And it's in a place where everyone can see. It's in his hands. We have a father who through Jesus deeply, deeply loves us. But here's what I want you to see, and this is the Galatians passage, is that this isn't just something you have by, by virtue of being born. This is something that Jesus actually won for you. The interesting thing about Galatians 4 is that Paul says he sends his spirit to say, Abba, Father. What's fascinating about that is Abba was the name that Jesus used of God all throughout the Gospels. It was his favorite name, and it was radical because in that time, no one called God Abba, Dad, Father. Jesus does almost every single time except one in the Gospels. 
And it's at the cross. And at the cross, as Jesus is giving his life, he says, not Abba. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I want you to see part of how you can claim Jesus' father as your father is Jesus was orphaned by our sin. That you and I might be brought in as the children of the grace of a God who loves us so much that he gave his one and only son. I'll close with this. Uh, there's a story that I was reading this past weekend that was um, of Chelsea Russell. She and her family were out in Lake Powell in Utah, and they were swimming in this lake. And without their two-year-old fell into the water, and Chelsea dove after the two-year-old, but the boat had drifted a little ways away. And so as they were trying to save this two-year-old who was beginning to drown, Chelsea Russell lifted the two-year-old over her, her she lifted her child over her head and just tread water, tread water and kept him up above the water long enough for the boat to get there. And they, they, they put the, her child under the boat and saved his life. But in doing so, she drowned and she died. And as I read that story, all I kept thinking was two things. Will that two-year-old know how much his mom loved him? Will he ever, like, get the reality of what she did for him? And the second thought I had was, was, if he does, if he even gets a glimpse of that story, don't you know he's going to have this tangible proof that my mom loved me. And what I want you to see is that's the cross for us. The cross is the place that Paul looks at in Romans and says, if you ever doubt his fatherly care in your life, if you ever doubt that he knows what he's doing right now, if you ever doubt why he gave you the parents that he gave you, all you need to do is look to the cross and see a God who tangibly, freely gave up his son that with him he might not that he might graciously give us all things. Let's pray together. Jesus, would you help us uh, to see this about you, that we might in turn uh, forgive, love, move toward our parents. Uh, Would you help us? I I don't know where we are with them, but would you? Some of us need um, to call them, to text them, and just say thank you. Would you forgive me for being ungrateful to you? Some of us need to... To break, to break up with them, to not go home this weekend, um, to establish community here. Would you help us in, in so many ways? Meet us by your spirit. Uh, we pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. Amen.